Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Can you hear me? How are you okay? going? Alhamdulillah. That's all good to hear. That's yeah. You've got a great uh, setup there, mashallah. <laughs> it's kind of evolved over time. Um, mm. The camera is just from the projects that we had and, you know, just normal film projects. So it's easy enough to plug into the computer. Mm. Um, mm. And then the backdrop and everything is just things around that things yeah. around my room which i furnish to look a bit nicer okay so yeah it's in this day and age and this is the main way you communicate with people it, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. it goes well yeah so what do you what have you been up to as of late are you working from home like everyone else yeah i've been working from home for the last almost two years now studios are wow. all closed up okay so, um, it's, it's it's been a I think there are starting to get back people to get back into the studios on uh, the mandate is still if you can't work from home, you should work from home. Um, but if you need to for whatever sense, there's like some vaccine notices, um, mm. vaccine quotas that they need to reach and then you'll be able to get back in. Yeah, that's right. That's how it is at the moment. Okay. I don't think many people, I don't know, from from the herd, from what I've heard, a lot of people don't mind working from home. <laughs> So I don't know if there's a huge rush for people to go in back into the studios, um, but it's there and available. And I guess there is some kind of motivation to go back into studio. So is it easy to do the type of work that you do from home? Because I imagine it's collaborative at in nature, first, right? It's very collaborative. Um, and at first there was quite a bit of challenges because you meet with your team so often uh, and it's really great to kind of just when you're in amongst everyone just turn around and ask them um, question what's your advice on the shot do you mind looking at something for me um, and you didn't get that when you're working from home but a uh, two years down the line I think the replacements or the what they've been able to find in lieu of the, that have actually been really good and even better in some cases um, so we really make use of zoom a lot um, if ever we want to need to get in touch with anyone, we, we just call Zoom bomb them. So we call it, just give them some calls and everyone's constantly giving each other calls. And um, you always, you know, if you get in touch, that's awesome. If not, they, they'll send messages. And I think mm -hmm. I meet with my team at least three times a day, in the morning, afternoon, uh, and uh, at the end of work. Um, and it's actually worked really well. I like, right. I prefer it. And I've been speaking to some, some leads and they say, hey, if they could keep working like this forever, <laughs> they, they'd prefer it. So I think now it's actually become, because of the tools, it's actually become really quite easy now. All right, for those of uh, the listeners that aren't really aware as to what you actually do, what is it that you actually do? All right, so I'm a visual effects artist um, working really currently in film. Uh, specifically, I'm a lighting artist. Um, so what that means is when you're working on a film, uh, you have a whole lot of people, some people who make make things, animate things, film things. And what I do is I take all of that um, right at the end, um, I light it and I render it. Um, and then that is the final stage in 3D before it goes into onto the screens that you see it. There's a few departments after us that are related to 2D, namely compositing um, and edit and sound. Um, but in terms of the CG department, we're the, the bookend where everything goes from 3D into 2D. Okay. So what films have you actually worked on so far? So currently we're working on Spider-Man No Way Home, which is the big ticket project, which is coming out in the next two months. So that's been taking up most of the time. Um, previously I've worked on films like 
Jumanji, um, The Next Level, Peter Rabbit 2, Jordan Peele's latest film, um, Candyman, um, which is a remake of an older film. Um, number of advertising for youth, advertising spots for places like Uniqlo, um, Mercedes, um, Coca-Cola, um, overseas and locally. Um, so that's a few of them so far, and it's growing. I think films is about eight so far. Advertisements, I'm not sure, <laughs> but several. So with these films, I imagine that you know the plots and the stories beforehand, or do they just give you pieces, bits and pieces of them? What, what's the story? How does it work? As much as they, as much as they give us, um, the way it usually works is they give you sequences. Um, and depending on the film, they might give you more or they might give you less. Um, for certain projects, they'll just give you the sequences you're working on, um, and that's about it. Um, as well as context of what's happening before, what's happening after, and the general way it fits into it. Um, so yeah, you lodge some other projects, everything else that goes beyond what you're working on is, is kept quite tight-lipped. I'm sure the supervisors and producers um, do know a bit more than we do, um, but it really depends on the project. Sometimes you know the whole thing, sometimes you know just what you're working on. Um, with every project, of course, we sign an NDA, which means we can't really disclose any of it anyway, um, but it, it's really great being able to be upfront and kind of like working it there, like right there. It's like, wow, it, it actually is quite exciting. Like you jump in it and you're like, okay, wow. Okay, that's, that's something I didn't expect to be working on. So, you know, at least, you know, this time in your career. That was kind of my next question. How much can you actually divulge? <laughs> really, not, not really anything, actually. Okay. Especially I, I sense a nervous laughter. Um, <laughs> anything that has been already released is out, so that, that's a lot to talk about already. Um, but my experiences and and effects um, artists. So um, I imagine you're you're quite familiar with the the process now that you're diving into animation. Kind of, but it's kind of a secret still. So no, nobody else knows about that except you. <laughs> so, so we both have secrets, basically. <laughs> So uh, it's it's pretty oh, cool, yeah. That makes in, sense. in in the sense that um, uh, I, I suppose you're it's quite kind of interesting in the sense that you get to watch something which nobody else has basically seen and is wanting to see. Like the Spider-Man uh, trailer is probably a good good ver version of what we actually mean when we talk about that. Uh, I think there was a leak. Yeah. Did anyone from your team or anyone you know have anything to do with that? Um, luckily, it wasn't from our team. <laughs> we, that was one of the first questions we asked. Um, but it, things like this uh, do bring a lot of attention to, to how the way things work um, and the way that kind of security works in, in the visual effects field. I think there were some big leaks in the past as well, actually on even some previous Sony-related ones. Um, and it really comes down to thinking, okay, how do we work? How do we avoid these things in the future? How do we, how do we keep things, especially in the nature of working from home? 
Um, in fact, I was surprised that there wasn't bigger things earlier on. Um, but yeah, nothing which I know too detailed about onto, onto the sources of where it's from. <laughs> but it was it was a big one. So how did that last leak happen anyway? Was it a not, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's multiple studios who work on special effects. And basically that was just one person from that studio uh, or, or was it on purpose? I don't know too much about it. And even if I did, I probably won't be able to speak too much about it or point people towards it. Um, but when there's so many moving parts, especially when there's things moving from home, um, there's a lot of, I guess, chances for this to happen. To give you an idea what security is like at a, at a visual effects studio, uh, when you're in the studio, um, your computers aren't connected to the internet. Everything is on a um, closed system. So everything is just on a local network. Um, you're not allowed to plug in USBs or any devices into your computers. Um, and the only people controlling the things that go in and out of the studio um, is an IO team. So they are responsible for sending things to other studios, other teams, as well as collecting footage and things from other, um, from other you know, areas, um, production and other post-production studios. So you can imagine when that's what it's like in a studio, um, you can imagine how it is, you know, when you move outside of studio and then there's a whole lot of other um, tools and systems that need to be set up. Uh, so, you know, it could happen at any point, but I think they're always reevaluating, always checking how it could, how it could happen or how they can make things, uh, avoid things like this in the future. Uh, you can imagine any, anything as simple as somebody looking over your shoulder um, is something which is, you know, which could happen as well. Um, yeah. So, so NDAs all across the house, and not just the person who's working on it, anyone who may be in your home as well, um, also needs to sign. So mm. this nature of security, you'd imagine, you know, these are large, you know, for any large project, um, where the actual return depends on, on what people know and what they don't know. I imagine there's quite a deal of surveillance as well. In homes? No, I mean, in terms of recording your actions and what you upload and when you logged in and all of that sort of stuff. I'm sure it's especially the case when you're in the actual office. Yeah, probably. I definitely when it comes to like physically entering and exiting. Um, how much they do watch you on it? Well, I guess they could. They, they'd have the ability to. Um, but it definitely, you still feel quite free and autonomous in your work. No, one, no one's hounding you down. Well, you're not reminded of it too often anyway, if it, even if it does occur. It's probably worth it in the sense that it's quite an interesting job to begin with, right? It is quite interesting. Um, kind of worth it. It's not really that much of a downside, really. Um, it's, it's really much part of the work and it, it is part for the course when it comes to any kind of um, creative work. Um, but it is really interesting work. Um, and it came down to, when it comes to any terms of storytelling, especially projects which people are very excited for, like this one, um, and especially seeing like the amount of things that need to come together for something simple to happen. Um, to give you an example, like some shots will take you, you'll be on them for months, um, you know, months, three, four months, and maybe it'll be on screen for, you know, 30 seconds or so, or even less. Um, and then that's just not on your plate for months, but it's on so many plates, people's plates for even longer than that. It was a production, people had to record it, people had to plan it, people, other departments had to work on it as well. 
Um, so it's incredible that things like this can actually like, come together in the end. One of the things I'm curious about is the, the trailer that is actually released. Which parts of it did you actually work on? Is there a part which is yours that we were all, you know, people are actually seeing? So for, for this trailer, um, there wasn't. There wasn't any shots there specifically, which I spent a lot of time working on. Um, however, in the, in the final film, you'll definitely be able to see a lot more. Um, there's plenty of shots, which I'm thankful to have worked on. Um, and, you know, when it comes out, I'm, I'm happy to point them out to you. <laughs> I have so many questions, but I can't even ask them. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's an online debate amongst, you know, comic nerds yeah. as to whether or not that's actually Doctor Strange in the trailer or is it Mephisto or someone like that. Yeah. There's plenty of you, you, you can't weigh in, but <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> I will say it is very exciting seeing people theorize because that's me. That's me before any film comes out. I'm always wondering, I was breaking it apart. Me and my brother love doing it. Um, and then having the chance to work on it on being a part of it, it actually is really exciting seeing a lot of people theorize themselves from the other side. And you're like, oh, it's cool. It's like, I like that people are so excited about this. Um, and it's, it's a really awesome feeling to be like, okay, cool. I'm making something which people are looking forward to seeing. So it, it is fun reading, reading everything. I think the most noteworthy thing that people are actually saying is that it's got two other Spider-Men in it as well. Oh, that's, yeah, that's something I, I don't know too much about or know anything about or can share. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. It would be crazy, right? I, I wish I had studied body language, you know, body science, so I could figure out <laughs> what's actually going on here. All I can say is I... It's been a blast to work on, and I am very excited to see it come together with the entire film in its entirety and all mm. the parts of it. It is, it's always even a film that you've worked on, um, yeah. or even advertisements I've worked on. There, you know, in an advertisement, of course, a lot of them, there's no secrets. <laughs> you, you see how you have the lot seeing it. I remember I was traveling the Philippines and I saw an ad that I worked on when I was working in China, and I was like, Okay, wow, that's pretty cool. Like you're actually working on things which people see. Um, whether or not it annoys you or not, I guess advertisements are annoying. <laughs> but but it was cool knowing that you know your work was was being used. Mm. That's interesting to know. Is it in terms of the past work that you've done so far, what is something that you're really proud of in terms of effects? When it comes to effects. Something that you can't talk about, let's say. Something that I can't talk about. Uh, well, this film, there's definitely a lot of things that I'm really, really excited about. Definitely hits the par. But in terms of similar experiences, probably be the two previous films. One of them was Jumanji, um, The Next Level. Um, and another one, it's a, an unreleased film called Feng Shen. Um, uh, it's a Chinese trilogy. Um, but with, with Jumanji, the next level, if, you, if you've seen it, at the final scene, there's this like massive um, fight in the air where there's um, the rock, Dwayne Johnson and the main bad guy, and they're in a Zeppelin and it's flying around this castle and it's exploding and it's hitting rocks and then um, the Zeppelin's falling apart. Um, and then you can see them and there's all this snow and mist everywhere. Uh, that was that was awesome to work on. 
um, just the fact that there were so many moving parts from every department uh, and being in lighting, you had to make sure that you sold it. You made, you made sure that you could, you could drive that mood and, and show everyone else's off and show off everyone else's hard work, especially a lot of interactive light with all the moving particles and all the moving snow. Um, I had a role working with the sequence lead. Um, so there was someone who was taking care of the entire sequence and I was really helping him check the shots and or work uh, on a shot per shot basis on things. Um, but that was really cool to, to see it in action. Um, and the other one I was talking about, there's, um, you, you can see some previews on it, but there's some big, massive army scenes where there's like thousands of people in the snow. Um, that's something I'm keen to see uh, when, it, when it comes out as well, or you know, when, when, when there's a chance to see more of it. But probably those two, a lot of these big action sequences um, are a challenge to work with. Um, but but really, really happy to have worked on them. Um, and not for all the reasons you'd expect. Um, creatively in the lighting department, I'd say a lot of that work is often like 70% technical, 30% creative um, in the sense that when it comes to the rendering part of it, you can just imagine in the pipeline when all these things come together uh, and you have to do these final calculations to make physically accurate light calculations, which is the rendering process, a lot can go wrong. Um, and a lot does go wrong. Um, so it's a real, that was an opportunity where I learned a lot of programming, learned a lot of Python to kind of build my own tools to, or at least evaluate some of other people's code to find out what's going on. Um, so that was, that was a really exciting part. A lot of learning in those two films and I'm, I'm really happy to have the chance to work on those ones. Something I'm curious about is when you're working on these films, you know, you're putting all this effort and you know how things are constructed. Does it ruin films for you, other films for you? I wouldn't say ruined. Um, but because you know, it's, it's, it takes you out of the, the story, I guess, that you know something about the special effects, how things are yeah. composed. Does it ruin yeah, that? Yeah. Does it, do you mean specifically films that you do work on or just all films in general? I think both, like, yeah. I suppose with the films in general that have special effects, I, I suppose that would take you out of the film and you'd probably just be thinking about the special effects, right? I think you do a lot. Um, you, you start thinking about, okay, you know, that was probably plate or that was CG. And then like, I did catch myself a few times watching, I, I was watching um, Civil War and I was pausing now and then and I was trying to pick up which characters were DG doubles or which characters were comped in. Uh, but I don't think it ruins it uh, because in the end, it's like when you're watching a film, you suspend your disbelief. You, you watch it and then you, you take, for, you are willingly fooling yourself as, like, as if this is all real and seeing in front of you. Um, and it doesn't take much for you to do that. Like even if you watch really, really old films with really, really rudimentary VFX, um, it doesn't take much for you to, to be in that. Um, but when you, when you're working on it, like that veil is completely kind of removed, um, you start of appreciating a lot more. You're like, wow, like there, there is, I, I don't think it's ruined it per, perhaps. I think, you know, in fact, you appreciate it a bit more. Um, you will notice bad effects and you will notice good effects, but I don't think that's much of a deal because everyone notices bad effects, even if they can't pick it. Um, so that's, that's fine. But I find myself like looking at a shot and like being even in more awe than sometimes other people who are looking at the effects because maybe they're just used to it, but you, you know what goes into making such a simple shot. Uh, and then you're like, 
okay, wow, like how do I do that? How did they do that? And you start working it out. But I think it's a newfound appreciation. You start watching films in a different way. But look, if the story is good or and like ultimately you have an enjoyable experience, um, I, I don't think it's really ruined films for me. If anything, you, you forgive them more. If you see bad effects, you start forgiving them a bit more because you know how hard it is. <laughs> it's interesting to know. One of the things I, I was curious about is why is it that th this job concerning special effects, it's outsourced to Australia? Why not someone in America? I mean, My, how, how does that happen? Well, there's a lot of places, um, lot of, a lot of places now that you can do with visual effects um, on these big films. Um, including places like India, Vancouver, Canada, Vancouver, Canada, America, London, um, China. A lot of these, there's more and more studios popping up all over the world. Um, and truth be told, um, the reason why a studio would be popping up is honestly probably um, government support, <laughs> to be honest, tax offsets. A lot, a lot of studios will just go where there's the best price for them. Um, and also there's a drive an attraction for, it is considered about living comfortability, what it's like to, you know, live there or to draw people towards there. Um, Australia's interesting because we really are pushing it a lot when it comes to the VFX and films industry or just the entertainment industry in general, including games. Um, we just opened up a new studio called ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, which works, this is pretty much a Disney house. Um, that works on all of the Star Wars, works on a lot of the LucasArts projects. Um, and they opened one in Sydney, which was, was crazy, you know, uh, which is one of the biggest and well-known VFX studios in the world. Um, and there's a lot of new stuff. You probably may have seen the latest Mandalorian film where there was a lot of those light stages being used. Um, Dream Screen Australia um, is another one of those studios, which is working a lot in that virtual production area. Um, and you'll find when you work in a studio as well that it is incredibly an international team. People travel overseas um, very often when it comes to work. Um, so in a studio, uh, you know, whenever I was working in China, working in Australia, you have incredibly international teams. Um, so why, again, back to the question, why is there a studio in Australia? I guess because there has been for a while and, and it is growing and it's just going to become more and more as more places encourage more industry to move into, move into their area or move into their country. Okay, so it brings us to the next question. And that is, say there's a young brother who wants to go into this particular industry. Mm -hmm. What would you advise? Well, there's two ways I would answer that question. One is definitely the more straightforward way of um, giving you a career path, what you need to study, you know, techniques and how to get a job. Um, but then the other question is a lot more is that you can't avoid the fact or at least completely realizing the fact that you're Muslim and what is your purpose and what kind of journey do you want to be going on or why do you want to kind of pursue this kind of work? Uh, and that's something I keep asking myself every day as well. Um, we'll answer the first one. It's the it's easier question to answer um, is I can probably just give a description of my kind of journey in effects. Um, I've always kind of been interested in film um, and I started a Bachelor of Design in um, digital media design um, and took a few like 3D, um, 3D and motion graphics, which kind of got me a foot in the door. Um, but the thing that really, really did kind of push it 
uh, a lot further, I guess really did kickstart my journey to work in VFX um, was when I, alhamdulillah, was offered a scholarship um, to a, to a well-known visual effects school in Shanghai, China. Um, that scholarship really put me um, and, and into the school called Vancouver Film School. And that really was like an intense 12 month degree, um, learning every single aspect of visual effects, all the way from shooting, um, animating, modeling, rendering, um, to actually releasing a final product. Um, and that was super intense. And I was quite fortunate at the end of it, um, I was just chatting to some of our mentors and said, hey, I'm looking for a job. And he was like, hey, you know, why don't you work with us? Um, and then that was when I got my first gig working in visual effects um, at MPC in Shanghai. And then I just went from studio to studio, um, you know, working on bigger projects, bigger projects um, until, you know, alhamdulillah, I managed to work on, I think, my biggest project to date, which is Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, to kind of break that down into how that can be relevant for you, um, the first step would be get a, know what you want to work in or know what you want to do. Um, actually, before that, get a general understanding of visual effects. Um, understand kind of the whole pipeline, understand at least one particular element of the visual effects process. Um, and then after that, apply and I talk to people. Um, networking in this industry is by far the best way of kind of jumping into it um, and look for someone to give you a chance. Um, Cause that's really all it is. Um, there's positions and roles for every single degree. There's at the start, you might start as like a generalist, maybe like you don't have a specific role, you do some modeling, you'll do some um, texturing. Um, this is very common in smaller studios where you know one person will be wearing many hats. Um, but what eventually you will find when you get to larger and larger productions, you will specialize into an area. And then at some point you will need to choose um, specifically what you want to work in. You know, lighting, is it asset making? Is it texturing? Is it surfacing? Um, so that's the answer to the first question. Learn a bit, keep talking to people to get a chance and just keep working your way up. Learn about, learn more, learn more. Um, and eventually once you've learned a good amount, you'll have someone giving you a chance to work on a bigger project. Um, and of course, happy to chat to, if that does sound like you, I'm happy to chat to you um, about your journey and, and what it looks like and any advice. Uh, but then the second question is of why are we even doing this in the first place? Um, and you as a creative, uh, Sheikh Farqan, I think I'd like you also to weigh in on this question as well. Um, why are we doing this? Why, why are we um, even in the creative space in the first place? Uh, what basis does it have in terms of our purpose as Muslims? Um, for me, myself, uh, a lot of these working on projects have been really exciting, um, but I'm always thinking about how can I use this in a better way? How can I take these skills that I'm learning and adapt that into projects um, that I myself will love or I myself can be proud of? Um, and that goes into a question which you know we can delve into if, if it's related about cultural production, how everything we need to do, uh, you know, whether, whether you're, you know, working as an accountant, whether you're working as a, in the creative industry, uh, whether you're working, you know, whether you're not working at all, whether you're, you're uh, volunteering or whether you just spend time, you know, just helping your, your friends and neighbors. Um, how can you imbue all of that with the identity of Islam and incredibly build a culture that is completely and wholly focused on, um, the consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, so that's something I hope to kind of grow into it. I never saw like working in film as kind of mother be all and end all. 
Um, but I do hope that, you know, Allah will allow me to, to find myself in a place where we can, where we can benefit ourselves and benefit Muslims around us, um, how Allah would like us to. Does that answer your question? Uh, I, I, I did jump into a bit of a different degree there, but. That's okay. I, I was going to ask that question, but I'm thankful that you already answered it uh, beforehand. Yeah. One of the things I was curious about was what what the the intention or goal behind all of this was, mm -hmm. uh, because I I believe if I'm not mistaken you originally got into this um, industry because of a love to create some kind of Islamic gaming Islamic themed gaming if if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So. That definitely was something that was on the cards, and you, you probably were thinking back to a conversation we had years and years ago. Um, it definitely did kind of start for myself, just as a general love for storytelling, um, and just just seeing the ways that that stories can can influence people's emotions and minds, and 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 um, the way that they think and view the world. Um, but beyond that, is actually just a representation of someone's culture and identity, like. For those who are familiar with Japanese animation or American animation or French animation, they imbue so much of their own identity and culture into it. You can't help but separate um, the product from the creator. You can't, you know, you look at a tea ceremony and that's just like incredibly, you know, Japanese or incredibly Chinese. Um, you look at a um, like uh, a certain um, French French films or you look at some European films and it's incredibly imbued with their heritage. Um, so I was thinking, how can is Muslims, not just specifically in film, um, just kind of keep create things that completely and wholly are inspired by their own culture. Um, and that was, that's kind of what drove it. Um, in terms of actually manifesting itself into working in VFX and film, I would say that I kind of like fell into a bit more. Um, I think I've always kind of been interested in making Islamic projects. Um, and, and I think what you're referring to, you know, several years ago, um, must have been, you know, 2015 or 2016. Um, I started building a game project uh, with some friends. And the, the idea was to kind of make a, a simple visual novel kind of like game, um, which followed the journey of a Muslim um, in Australia. Uh, and that was kind of the project we wanted to build, go on. Um, and it was actually really good that I undertook that so early because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, the scope was too big. The team didn't have um, a huge understanding of the process and we really just didn't know what we were doing. So as evidently it, it didn't come to fruition. And I have tried again a few times throughout it, um, but I'm really glad to have worked at this kind of level when it comes to creative projects. So now I'm like, okay, now I know. Now I know what goes into it. Now I know what the process is. Now I know how to scale down. Um, and inshallah, you know, with this new knowledge, I'll try again. And then inshallah we can make that game or we can make that film. Um, as we intended to, and, you know, hopefully much more. I think one of the things that people fail to realize is that failure is actually a great teacher. Even if you work on something and it doesn't come into existence, you still learn a great deal. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be the case with this uh, experience of yours. So one of the things I'm, I'm quite uh, curious about asking is uh, you mentioned uh, interestingly, that this idea of working in films or movies is not the be-all and end-all, right? Yeah. For a lot of people, maybe it is. Yeah. 
but what is your goal in terms of this industry as a Muslim professional who's working within? Where would you like to go? Where would you like to head with this? I mean, you're acquiring all these skills and this expertise in this industry. Where would you like to take it all? It's a very good question. It's something I'm asking myself all the time. And then, you know, I'd probably, I'd probably throw it back to you at the end of my answer to, to ask you, where, where do you feel I should go? Or where do you see I can use it? Um, because ultimately, you want to do something that's pleasing to Azmatala. And if at some point you feel like, you know, what this journey is not the best for me and I have to scrap it all together, so be it. You know, Azmatala will, will grant you something better. Um, but as things are now, the usual kind of path when it comes to working in film and VFX is you just kind of keep climbing up the ladder and you find a comfortable place for yourself. You know, so if generally speaking, uh, what most people will do is they'll get to my position, they'll keep going up and up and up, they'll make themselves a senior, they go to a lead. Maybe if they're comfortable with a senior, they'll just sit there and they'll just keep making, that's the highest position they'll get and they'll just keep making lateral moves to different studios and just work on projects. And it's mainly just a job, you know, just, as, just like it's accounting, you know, I'll just, I'll work on films and that's my, that's how I make money. Um, then, oh, you could go up and up and up and you can work as a supervisor um, and, and work um, really leading projects and working directly with, um, with the client um, in terms of actually building these projects. And then I'll just sit there as well. Um, that's not something I necessarily feel I want to necessarily go with. I would like to, if I do grow up and up and up in the ranks, the objectives would eventually be learn more and to do more um, and to kind of get more experience at the certain, certain different levels and have that responsibility. But what I would love to do is kind of step back at one point and make my own things. I'd love to see our own films, our own games. And if it's not something that me who is directly making it, I'd love to at least aid other people in making Muslim inspired games or rather Muslim inspired, Islamically inspired game, games inspired by Islam, films inspired by Islam. And if it's not games or film, just like anything in the digital media process um, that, that can be made, um, you, know, you know, inspired by Islam. Um, and I think there's a lot of growing in this area. There's a lot of opportunities which we may not necessarily think about. Like you see what Facebook is doing, what Oculus is doing with virtual reality, with augmented reality. You see what hospitals and um, uh, hospitals and education institutes are doing with digital media to, to train people using VR or to um, assist people with Alzheimer's using augmented reality, you know, virtual assists around the house. Um, so there's a lot of op opportunities like that, that this field kind of works in. So my kind of path is, in the space I'm in, learn more, do more, get more responsibilities. Um, and may Allah guide me into a way where I can use those skills to actually make projects which are, you know, quote unquote, holy Muslim DNA or in the Muslim DNA. Um, I hope that makes sense. Well, so are there certain projects you would never work on if you were well, offered them? Um, there was there there are certain projects you know that I have refused in the past. Um, one of them was at my, at my last studio for advertising. Um, uh, there were there was an advertising for alcohol campaign, um, and then it was it was a really really cool project, um, and I kind of became known as like the concept artist um, for this project. Um, and it was like a project where it was like all these these ants had like all these characters a lot of animations and then they'd, they'd, they'd go on like this kind of this cool journey and I was looking at it I was like oh that's such an awesome project that'd be like especially being like in the creative seat of it 
they're like designing the actual characters and actually working on that. They're like, that's super cool. Um, and then I, I talked to them more about the project. It's like, okay, this is for an alcohol company. And I was like, I just, I had to tell my supervisor. I was just like, I can't work on this project. And it's like, oh, why not? And she's like, I can't work in alcohol advertising. And they were just like, oh, okay, sure. And it was interesting because, you know, he was fully supportive of me and he was on my side. Um, but it was interesting just seeing him explain to the other people in the company. It's like, oh, we can't get him on this project. I was like, why not? And they're just like, oh, he just can't. Uh, and then they were just like, okay, okay, that's what it is. Um, so yeah, things like that, that necessarily go, you know, go directly against it. Um, but hey, you know, I won't lie and I won't beat around the bush around it um, is, but even the nature of actually creating images and stuff like that in Islam, where does the line, where does the line draw? And that's something I'm always kind of reminded is, as well um, about, you know, even when it comes to, you know, simple projects or, or even film or, or game itself. Um, you know, we know the, we know the Islamic, uh, Islam has its own views on it and ethically, you know, there are ethical views on the influence of games and films on people. Um, so then we go into that deeper question. I do ask myself, is this even the right line of work? Is this even, you don't see a lot of Muslims in this line of work. Maybe there's a good reason for it. Um, so it is something I'm consistently evaluating and Asad Allah is continually giving me guidance into finding the best path for me. Um, and and, we, and we'll, we'll, we will hope, you know, I hope that he, he puts us in the best place. Uh, we did run into this, this problem when we were designing one of the Muslim, Muslim games um, is we really wanted to kind of respect a um, element of of the Islamic view of portraits and images and we were thinking how could we make a, a wholly um, a completely story-based character-driven game but don't present any characters um, and that was a really fun creative challenge I'll actually Archie will mention that um, that I was actually really excited about the concept art that was coming out of you know there's was, there was a lot of symbolism abstractness um, calligraphy um, and silhouette that was made from it um, but in the end, we weren't able to make it merely, mainly due to, to um, you know, our resources and experience. Um, but it's something you're consistently evaluating um, about. You know, yes, there are things that a Muslim should and shouldn't do, and and um, can and can't do in their work. Um, so it's something you continually evaluate and saying, is this something I should move away from or continually or move towards? And you know, I hope that I hope that you can help me with this. <laughs> or if anyone has some advice on me, I'm happy to take it. So where do you see yourself in another 10 years, let's say? Once you've acquired all these skills and this knowledge, where, where, where would you see yourself? It's a good question, an interesting question, because with every plan that I've made, the following year has always been unexpected. I never expected to find myself in a VFX school. I never expected to find myself in China. I never expected to find myself where I was at each point in time in my life. Um, and when I say like the next year, maybe even less than that. Um, so it's really a challenge to think about what you'd be like in 10 years time. But 10 years time, I'll be what? Close to 35. Um, I'd hope by this time, I'd be able to, to find a clear direction um, in terms of what kind of projects I want to make. I'd hope that I'd be able to be in touch with a strong team who has the ability to make these kind of projects. Uh, and I hope that I, I'll completely be able to 
make projects or make things that I, I feel can make real value to people. As fun as it is working on you know films like Spider-Man, which you know everyone's really looking forward to, it's really debatable how much value I can measure giving people in that. Um, so I'd love to find a role of work you know, that I can be like, okay, cool, I'm actually making some some big differences to people in this. Um, I know that's not specific. It's hard to be specific with these things, or maybe you should be, um, but I think that's something something I'm working on. I think there's plenty of space in terms of providing content for our community in terms of gaming applications, in terms of, you know, the shows such as Arthurul or something of that nature mm. as well. Uh, have you ever thought about things such as that? Yeah, I have. There are some projects on my mind that I'm actually really excited about. Um, one thing that I've experimented with is something I really enjoy other than just, other than beyond films and games is actually being outdoors. Um, I spend a lot of time with my with my brother and my siblings and relatives. Um, you know, we go out hiking, we go out scuba diving. We've had amazing experiences. You know, climbing mountains or diving through shipwrecks, um, or on the on horseback riding through horseback in Saudi Arabia, um, or even doing archery. You know, teaching at the archery school we we like. And I love all these experiences. And a lot of me tries to kind of like, how can I bring that feeling into like an experience which which broadly people can experience either like through a film or a game um but I, I didn't want to keep it there i didn't really want to be like okay cool here's a really cool real experience but here's a virtual replica of it um you know as much as we love these rpgs and these grand open world games i wanted to see how we can kind of connect it like bring people back outside and like beyond that virtual thing so i was playing with ideas of um big action-based Kind of stories or, or games with horseback archery and 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 um, you know exploration in it, um, but with a motivation for people to kind of come out. So maybe it's a recording. Maybe we take documentaries. Maybe we interview people. We find their real stories. Like here's a person who goes and and goes through adventures through you know areas of Muslim history, and then we turn that into a virtual experiences, and then we offer hey, these, you can also apply to have these experiences in real life, um, you know, by, by visiting these websites and, and applying and, and taking these kind of courses. That's something I wanted to play with, um, with a lot when it comes to like those, those big adventure theories. And in terms of our Islamic history, there's no shortage of stories like that. Um, one story that we we're really playing with was a story of a girl called, a princess actually called Kutlu Katun, um, which was, a descendant of, of um, Genghis Khan. Um, and she was one of the first Mongolians to undertake the Hajj pilgrimage um, after, the, after the rise of Mon the Mongol, um, the Mongol empire. Um, and what's impressive about her is like what's noted about her is she made the journey, most princesses would make the journey to Hajj um, in a palaquin, you know, escorted by people, but she made the journey to Hajj um, on a horseback with a quiver on her hip. Um, so those exciting stories from real life, I love to connect. Um, but ultimately, if I were to tell you about my favorite stories, it's the ones which are true to the identity that we have. And as specific to an identity you can get, the better inspiration and the better stories you can tell. Um, you know, and by mean that, I really want to tell exciting stories of Muslims in Australia navigating um, Islam in a way that you know is unique to our 
immigrant heritage, Aboriginal heritage, and even colonial heritage, um, how can you reconcile that in an exciting and cool way? And like, I don't think that's projects that too many people have seen before. Um, so no doubt it's gonna be exciting and interesting one. I think you're touching on a very interesting topic at the moment in terms of content development by members of our community for the community, basically. Uh, we're fairly limited at the moment in regards to what is actually being produced. And, you know, what, what do you think, you know, based on your, your knowledge of SFX and content development, what do you think we could really benefit with? Yeah, um, this is actually a conversation I'm having with someone right now. So there actually are exciting projects in this area to 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 kind of, how would you say, upstart or, or bring energy to this, this field. Are you able to um, talk about them? Yeah, uh, they're very in early stages. I don't think they're any secret. Um, so I will be able, I, I can share, but the main thing is that they're just in early stages. Um, but if I were to break it up, what's needed? So the question was stories told by the community for the community, what is needed for this content to have to occur? Um, first thing is an idea and stories. We have plenty of that. There's no shortage of people with crazy, with amazing ideas, crazy or and amazing ideas. Crazy is often better. Um, and um, people who have themselves incredible stories. So there's no shortage. Now, beyond that, um, when I had the conversation with my friends, we, we talked about three, three things that's needed. One is actually the technical skills. So we need to educate. We actually need to imbue these hard skills, these technical skills into people or train people to actually have these technical skills um, at high quality at a very high quality level. So that's one. Number two is we need to activate them. They, we need to actually facilitate an environment um, where people can create their best and continue creating, um, you know, or have the means and resources for them to actually make those projects. And the third one is campaigning to the wider community to actually recognize the importance of these projects. Um, so that's things like, advocating to people about the importance of creativity in Islam um, or advocating to, to fundraisers or, um, or to investors to actually say, hey, these are projects which are worth investing in. Um, so those are the kind of three things that I break it down is um, the hard skills uh, activated in a, a, an environment where they can actually flourish and campaign into the wider community. Um, and that was kind of the start of a conversation of breaking down what's needed for these things to occur. Um, and then the how is, is, is a bigger question or like, how do you actually do these things? And that's kind of where, the, where we are in, uh, in the conversation. Um, and that requires, you know, teams and plans. Um, but, but I do feel like there, there's a good, a good team that is coming together to kind of um, bring forth these kind of things. You've also touched upon something with that answer, which is also quite interesting. And that is that people watch these Hollywood movies for a reason. You know, there is something which attracts people to them, right? And similarly, you know, the same thing can be made, uh, said, or the same argument rather could be made for series such as Earthworld. Mm. People are attracted to it for a reason. So it points to the fact that if quality, a level of quality is attached to some of these projects and there's a mind behind them, there's thinking behind them, uh, a story, creative elements, you know, all of these things, then people would be 
attracted to it naturally speaking right mm. yeah people are attracted to there's many you know there's many things that people are attracted to when it comes to to story there's no shortage of types of stories that are being told as well um there's some people which love japanese animation and some people which outright hate it there's some people which love marvel films and some people which outright hate it um so if i were to say is there a formula to make something which is attractive um it's, it's hard to pick because there's so many different tastes in so many different ways um but is there a process which can really guarantee which can really really motivate a lot of success i think there is and i think i think when it comes to quality and when it comes to the types of stories you tell you can tell um once you've picked your audience and once you've picked what kind of things you are there is a lot of process um someone said to me before i mean i keep remembering is that mastery isn't magic like these projects aren't just magic you don't just have magical projects that appear um it's process and and, and all of these things getting this great project you know hit after hit after hit and pixar is one of the examples you know they made a hit after hit after hit um, especially in the early year days, um, even when the quality was, you know, still getting there, or they were still experimenting a lot, uh, it was the process which allowed them to make it. Um, so yeah, people watch things for a reason, and that's probably part of a bigger discussion. Is it the quality? Is it the characters? Is it because it was a trend? Um, but you know, finding those reasons and being able to produce them in a good way, um, there is definitely a process to it. So finally, as we taper off, because I know it's time for Maghrib now. So basically, um, I've got this last final question. And that is, what is your favorite special effect that what's you've my, seen? It doesn't have to be your own, any, anyone's. Yeah. What's my favorite special effect that I've seen? Let, let's end on a very sort of chirpy note, inshallah. That's an interesting question um, because you'll be surprised what has VFX and what doesn't have VFX in it these days. Um, my favorite VFX. I'm going to probably like think of a great one after this, um, but, but the one that comes to mind or the ones that come to mind um, is actually from a movie called The Greatest Showman. I don't know if you've, you've seen it yourself um nope, but, no idea but it's it's a um it's the musical um it's a musical with Hugh Jackman and it, it's him just trying to start a circus um and that's it's probably not, why yeah <laughs> it's it's not a very vfx heavy movie you'd think there's no massive action sequences there's no crazy like avengers assemble moment um but the effects in it are incredibly intentional uh, and very subtle like most people would would be surprised, like wait, that entire thing was was VFX. That was a, that entire set piece was fake, um, and that's some some of the VFX I really like, um, where it it's not too boisterous. It doesn't ask to be seen, um, but all but it knows it's there simply to drive a story. Um, it knows it's there simply to um, to fulfill a certain emotion or fulfill a certain environment. Um, and there's just some overall great art direction in that movie, which I really, really liked. Um, so yeah, it, it'd probably be like the general creative things of, of The Greatest Showman. That's one example. I'm sure there's, there's many I'd, I'd love to share as well. Even with that question, you pointed towards something else, and that is that there's a lot of sequences, films, that we, we have no idea that they use SFX. Uh, the Mandalorian is a good example. 
because a lot of people, including myself, are very surprised that it was just built on a set, that none of these people actually went to these deserts or to these locations. You know, one may understand, okay, fine, if it's, if it's kind of a strange-looking location, okay, that's definitely a lot there. But even locations which seem very earthy or very uh, terrestrial, they're still basically something which was created on a computer screen. That's right. And, and I encourage you to even go back to the very first Star Wars films um, and try to pick what's, what's effects and not. And even though you might think it's quite easy because effects has moved in a huge way, um, but you might still surprise yourself. Um, there's this really, um, this was even before digital, um, you know, we even had digital editing softwares um, in the way we have them now, at least. Um, and there was this big popularity when it came to matte painting. Matte painting is essentially an incredibly detailed painting, um, which they're just put in the background. Um, and then there's some, some of these paintings are in the studios of ILM, um, you know, as, as museum pieces. Um, but see if you can like pick like, is that a photograph? Is that a painting? Um, you know, when, or is that the digital effects? Even in the first Star Wars films and, and you might even surprise yourself. Finally, do you have any last words for our listeners? Something that they can benefit with, something that you'd like to leave as a last kind of reminder? I think always consider your, your purpose. Um, on, on why you're doing something and why you're here. Um, whether you wanna, whether you're someone who is looking into the visual effects industry or not. Um, Al-Subhatana has put you on this earth at this particular time in this particular situation um, to solve some specific problem. And that could be something as simple as, you know, assisting your siblings or your family, um, the roles that you normally have and responsibilities you have as a Muslim. Um, but if you are in that, you know, fortunate position or, you know, or fortunate or fortunate challenging position where you are doing bigger things, you are being more influential, you have more responsibility. Um, really think about why has Alam put me in this position and how can I help people with it? Um, it's not very VFX focused or, or general, but I feel like if you can fully understand your own identity and your story about where you are, um, I think we'll all be finding a lot more, um, a lot more purpose and a lot more guidance in our life. Oh, and just pray istikhara, just pray istikhara all the time, uh, even if it's something you're very certain about. Um, it, it's the best tool that Allah has given us, um, and even better than the actual door itself. Um, specifically, is the last line is and to make me pleased with it. Um, so no matter what occurs, you'll always be pleased with the result because Allah Subhanahu has promised it for you. Um, so in hardship, in confidence, um, in ease, you know use that isikhar that's been given to us.